0: teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new
1: literacy curriculum which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today.
0: Hi everyone, welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy. We're so excited you're here with us today because we have two incredible literacy coaches, from Baltimore City Public Schools. They are print literacy coaches um, at two secondary schools. We have Tammy James and Zach Jaffe, and we are thrilled that they're here with us because they are going to support us in a conversation around uh, Meredith and David Lieben's book, Know Better, Do Better. We're focusing on chapter seven, and the title of chapter seven is Unfinished Learning and Older Students, A Story. So we're diving into secondary, which I know Melissa has dying. been dying
1: to
0: do for so long. <laughs> <laughs> so, Zach and Tammy, welcome. Um, Tammy, would you introduce yourself first? Tell us a little bit about yourself, and then, uh, Zach, would you do the same?
2: Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know exactly what to say, but um, Tammy, I'm currently uh, at ACE, is the Academy for College and Career Education called City. Um, I'm working with grades six and 12 currently in ELA. Um, of course, the plan is to push out to other content areas for literacy support. Um, and I am entering my 15th year in the district. Oh, yay.
0: Um. That's <laughs> awesome. Good milestone. You're halfway here. <laughs> I halfway am. Retirement.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I am.
0: Love it. Zach, tell us about you. Uh, my you, name is Tammy. Zach
3: Jaffe. I am Blueprint Literacy Coach at the Augusta Fells Savage for visual arts um, which is a high school in baltimore city this is my 17th year in the district um, second year as a literacy coach and before that i was an english teacher for 15.
0: thank
1: you mm-hmm. so i'll jump in um, zach and tammy invited me to be a part of a book club about No better do better um david lieben's book and really excited but i also Assumed, you know this oh, this is about like how to learn how to read in kindergarten to second grade, but that's okay because I need to learn more about that. I was really into it. I saw, but didn't get to it yet, chapter seven. And I remember I ran into Zach, and I was, like, Zach, I can't wait to get to chapter seven because it's about older students. What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so quote kind of hit that is from the book and it says, older students who are years behind in reading comprehension. Might be the most pervasive and frustrating problem in America, and that just kind of hit me um, because I feel like that's what I've felt for so many years, during in middle school and high school. So, before we even jump into like what the book actually says, just what were your first react thoughts about this problem?
3: Yeah, I have to agree with that quote. Um, it was something that really struck me well. Um, I got talked to David Lieben for a bit when we were looking at new curriculum for English for Baltimore City Schools and he mentioned that exact Mm -hmm. same thing about like what do we do with students who are in middle and high school and are so far behind in reading Mm -hmm. and he basically said there hasn't really been a good answer except perhaps to work on fluency which is really what chapter 7 is all about so when I saw that we were reading the book I was super excited to find out everything that he was gonna say he and Meredith Levin were gonna say uh, about the foundations of reading. And it really just connected with what he had talked about before and what I've seen in the classroom about working on fluency to try and get students back, you know, to the point where they can really participate in class.
0: Yeah. Um, can can you tell us a little bit more about the fluency piece that you're mentioning from the book so that the folks listening can have some context around um uh, what you're about to yeah, say. one of
3: the things that they talk a lot about is building up children's fluency, um, and this would ideally be done in the earlier grades, but of course, sometimes we have to work with students who are behind reading. And what they mean by fluency is that when they say the words when they're reading, that they say them accurately, that they say them with a good rate of speed, and that they mm-hmm. say them with expression, you know, saying them with the right emotion that would fit the passage that they're reading. And I know my experience is like working with students who have been in behind in reading is that I've seen that connection where they just, they might know the words they might know how to pronounce the words, but when you hear them read, it's not fluent at all. And it really does affect their comprehension. Um, I remember a student that I had in a repeater reading class a couple of years ago, and we would sit and read together and she would say the words at a decent rate. Mm-hmm. She would hear the words, um, but because she wasn't really saying them right, and because she wasn't really pronouncing mm. them with the right expression, you would ask her a comprehension question right after that. And she wouldn't know what she had just read.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Tammy, do you have anything to add to that before
2: I jump in with more questions? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, just, I was just kind of thinking like, um, also like connection um, to fluency and many behaviors that arrive in the classroom. And a lot of times, you know, teachers will assume that students are just misbehaving because they're bad or lazy or whatever it is. But lots of times those behaviors are problems or a mess for the deficits that the students are in. The class, I can think of one um, young lady in particular that I worked with last year, um, who, you know, we were working with with wisdom, but she was really even hesitant to state fluency um, activity. So um one day I just decided to sit next myself and um, you know, talk to her about, you know, let's let, you know, let's do your practice like really as I class she feels to that she did not want to read aloud, even with me, because she was a little embarrassed that she could not read and that she was skipping for um particular words that she didn't know it was like even the simple. Um, of the words that she was having problems, so um eventually, you know, she and I we, we continued to work together. She agreed to work um, and I got her to at least start practicing with fluency. but um it is it is frustrating for me because I see like kids labeled as behavior issues when it really is kind of like that bad or the issue that they're having with reading. you know they're acting out because they don't want to reveal to people. That hey, I, I really can't do this. Oh, and they're feeling some kind of way by being in the classroom with their peers and not being able to form at the level or even at a level that would be considered, uh, you know, on grade level.
3: And I think one sorry, yeah. one of the things that teachers do because they have struggling readers is they try and help by reading aloud mm-hmm. or by mm-hmm. having students yep. read aloud to each other. And then it's like, well, imagine you're that kid who doesn't feel comfortable reading and everybody's reading aloud to mm-hmm. each other. You kind of duck and hide. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody sort of fringes when you're picked to read because you know that you're not going to read it yeah. in such a way that everybody understands it. And it, it, it mm-hmm. does get really embarrassing. And kids do want to hide the fact that they can't read that well because of a lack of fluency.
2: And then another yeah. thing along with that, Zach, is like I, I noticed um, – you know, and I used to do it a lot in my classroom, I had to stop, is that even with your read aloud, um, sometimes it's not even the route to go because students will continue to ask you to read for them because it's much better and more interesting Mm -hmm. when you do it and they kind of, they miss out on the opportunities to practice themselves because we're, you know, we're trying to show them a model for what fluent reading looks like, but too much of it is more of a hindrance than it is. Right.
3: Yeah, but it's a struggle as a teacher because then, as soon as you yeah. ask them to read, it slows down and it gets yeah. very fragmented, and nobody's understanding what's going on, and people are getting bored. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it yeah. is tough.
1: It's,
2: it's a struggle.
1: So, I think that one of the struggles that I've had in my career was that there were some interventions that really tailored down to, you know, back to the basis of coding, phonics. I never. I didn't feel like most of my students needed that. I think there were some, mm-hmm. but most of my students fell into category, which I didn't have for then. Um but mm-hmm. like you guys it wasn't automatic. Like reading of the words was a struggle and took so much of their energy. Um and I didn't have a for that. Like I had I had nothing. <laughs> um mm-hmm. to help them step forward trying to practice. what um, have you guys you have something similar did you experience something similar different
3: yes definitely i know that when i would um, lead department with english teachers and we would talk about like what kind of interventions do we put in place within our regular classroom it was always a discussion of well i'm not a reading teacher well no one ever taught me how to do phonics right (laughs) Um, and it's interesting to see that in my experience, too, and, and what they talk about in the book, is that very few students actually need phonics. And, right. and, I, and I think that's true. Like, even some of the lowest readers, I sat down with one young man, Aishon, last year, um, and he could pronounce the words. He mm-hmm. knew what letter combinations produced produce which sounds. Mm-hmm. It just took him a long time to get through it. So it wasn't that he really needed to review phonics. It was that he needed practice and get faster Mm -hmm. and make it more automatic
0: yeah which takes a lot of time
3: yeah definitely (laughs) right and it takes resources to try and build that in whether it's you know a separate intervention class or within the regular classroom for sure
2: yeah i was i'm definitely in the same um in the same boat as those teachers back where um you know where those interventions were kind of left up to us as the teacher and with the lack of knowledge you know the background in um in actually teaching reading it was like well what can i do really to assist them um and so it, it kind of like i had to rely on the sped teachers and pull out mm. and then that also you know made me feel like well am i doing my students a disservice because i don't know exactly what it is that i need to be doing to help them besides just providing with opportunity um, for practice um it kinda it's kinda frustrating as a teacher because it's like I'm supposed to be able to help this student, but I really don't have the knowledge to do so. And now it's like learning, I've learned over the years becoming a literacy coach help work with the wisdom help that you and you know, I don't really need to be an expert in reading, but I do just need to make sure that students have an opportunity to practice um over and over again um with the same text in some cases to, you know, get better at it. It's just like like riding a bicycle yeah you know the more, the more you practice it the better you become at it um but yeah it, it has to be frustrating because I know it was for me as a newer teacher um when you experience students who have reading and you don't know exactly what it is to do and there's like no real intervention program wide so it's kind of left up to you as a teacher back so that your class And within
3: your classroom, you're also trying to get through the curriculum, right? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's
3: always this pressure of like, oh, I've got to get this giant text that we're reading. And you keep pushing through and you keep pushing through and you don't really take time to reread passages. Now I'm starting to think it might be worthwhile to read less, but to read Mm -hmm. the things that we do read multiple times
2: so that kids can feel
3: more confident uh, Mm -hmm. about reading it the right way.
2: Yeah. and that def- you know that kind of goes along also like with the close read. Like, um, the more they read it, the better. Not only do they become more fluent in it, but they're comprehensible at least because they have both time to engage with just that particular fact. Um. Yeah.
1: Tammy, you just read my mind. I have my finger on a quote yeah. from the book. <laughs> and if you're looking at it, page one twenty nine. says, once they became more well, fluent, they started to comprehend and recall. Um, and I mm-hmm. think too often. Like, even with and wisdom, I've seen—I'm not going to say majority, but I have seen teachers who said, "Well, I'm just going to skip the fluency because that seems like mm. extra or unnecessary." Um, or they just don't see why they need to do it, uh, and that kind of breaks my heart knowing that. You know, on the other hand, they're probably also saying, "What do I do my students are behind?" <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. so yeah, For sharing that,
3: um, can I and- give you another quote there too? Yeah,
1: yeah. let's do it. Let's.
3: On page one thirty three, yeah. <laughs> on page one thirty three, they say, "Disfluency is not only at the base of mm. struggling readers' problems, but it is also integral to students' social and emotional well being as well."
2: I under I underline mm-hmm. that. Matt. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and I I don't know what you've noticed, Tammy, in terms of the wit and wisdom and and people who have actually mm-hmm. tried the stuff, but um, it seems to me that really getting kids confident, you know, if they can read a passage confidently. Mm-hmm. And then yep. take on the challenge of reading it aloud to their peers, like that really boosts their confidence and makes them feel that like whatever reading they have to do in whatever class,
2: they're better equipped to handle it. Yeah. It does. Can you you know, like I was saying so Tammy, sorry, Tammy, no, I, I
0: just wanted to say I, I totally agree. Um, I that I just wanted to say for those listening, I'm just trying to provide context if folks are listening and their elementary um trained teachers that this whole conversation for, for my elementary teachers listening, um, secondary teachers are more, and, and feel free to jump in friends, um, they're, they're more versed in content, not process. So mm-hmm. for secondary teachers who are English teachers, um, they have not had foundational skills background of how kids learn to read. Um, they are more in the reading to learn category, um, yeah, and that's how they received their their you know undergrad, their teacher training, um, all of those prerequisite courses. So I just wanted to just really quickly interject. Sorry, I hope I didn't stop the flow of conversation, but I think it's important that for any elementary person who might be listening, and they're like, wait a minute, I got an undergrad.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: it's a good point. We did. We did right. not.
0: Because I'm in the minority <laughs> right now. I just want to say, like, I am the elementary person in this conversation who also is not secondary, but, um, so I think it's important for you all to, to spotlight on this, but I just want to say that in case anybody's listening, so you know. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: I think that's a good point, Lori. but I also bring up, too, um, you know, I went through a reading specialist program, and, like, we did talk about, so I knew what it was, I and mean, I even tried to, like, do some things in the classroom where I you know, time my students, have them read aloud, um, but it never I, until I read this book, I think, and it like kind of together for me of just how important okay. it. Just you know, like that's where I, like yes, it's a part of being heard about it, um, and I think a lot, a lot of people do somewhere along the way, but hearing that like if they can't automatically like that, we are they're going to struggle to comprehend like you guys have been talking about.
3: For forever. Uh, yeah. And from the secondary point of view, like whenever even when we try and break down kids' reading scores and say, Well, what's really going on? It always comes down to comprehension, right? Yeah. That's like the number one uh skill that they're lacking, even if you're looking at deficiencies in um vocabulary or in morphemes <laughs> or something like that. Um, it always comes back to comprehension, and so we try and work on comprehension, and we give graphic organizers we right. and have rich and rich discussions, <laughs> but we as right. secondary teachers, we never really think about like, oh, maybe like just working on their basic flow of reading could really help us comprehension, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. yeah, I tried to explain it to um, one of my colleagues who is not in the literacy world at all she was like i don 't understand fluency what you was talking about <laughs> <laughs> and I like why is it why would it be a? Book? So imagine like you only have so much like brain space right and so if you're using yeah. all of your brain just figure out the words and what yeah. you, how to pronounce those words the whole time you <laughs> have no brain space to figure out what is what i just read like what does it say does it make any sense um and you're right zach that doesn't show up tests that we can give a student you know we can't uh can't see that <laughs> from data um You'd have to, like, talk to a student. Like Tammy said, sit sit right next to the
0: student and see what's happening. Yeah. I want to know how how you both think that teachers would react to um, using grade-level text. Because to me, that's the really important part here is that we're not reading at different levels. They're using grade-level text in order to do fluency um, and, you know, a short passage from a grade-level text.
3: Ultimately, we need them to get to read grade level text fluently, um, yes. and that can be such a challenge, and it's one that we sort of glossed over in class. Um, my experience with this, like, I would go back to what's probably the most difficult thing for students to read fluently in a high school class. Anybody guess what I'm talking about? Exactly. Shakespeare. Right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, I don't
3: know. What? Yeah, Shakespeare. and Shakespeare was one of those things that, like, in my last of teaching like I gradually came around to, well, why don't we just practice reading it fluently more? Um, there's so much yeah. more comprehension when you have like a fluent reader doing it. So for example, if you're playing mm-hmm. an audio version, then the students get what the words mm-hmm. on the page mean, which they don't if they're just trying to read it silently. Um, but then it also means, okay, well, why don't we take it to the next level? Let's find some scenes. And let's have you practice those Mm -hmm. scenes, and really work on how to pronounce those words and how to be fluent with all of the lines. And that should really increase your comprehension. And I think it was fun and exciting for kids to do that when I started doing it. And I wish um, that I got to do more after reading this. Now I'm realizing, boy, if we had really worked on fluency instead of just practice, but like actually here are some suggestions for how to say these better. Here are some class exercises for doing it with prosody, you know, things like that. I think we could have done it more.
2: Yeah, I totally agree that like this book really opened my eyes in looking at some things that I could have done differently when I was a class teacher. Mm-hmm. So it it just it really encourages me in my coaching position to have conversations um with the teachers that I'm working with um to push them because that the teacher mindset is is what has to really shift when it comes to exposing students. So um, the grade level text, because lots of times we feel that, uh, you know, we're doing students a benefit by giving them a text that is on Mm -hmm. their level, Mm -hmm. so to speak, but they need to be able to access that grade level text. And so it's like, if we, if we kind of move away from, or start moving away from the the whole pacing thing, like I have to finish, I have to get through this book Um, later on in my career, before I transitioned into coaching, I used to just do, right. excerpts of, you know, those ones that they pulled out mm-hmm. for close reads because obviously they were pulled out for a reason. And the more times that the students um, encountered that just particular excerpt of the text, the better they comprehended, the better their writing became because they were actually able to utilize what, you know, kids are going to write right. about what they know. Mm-hmm. So if, if they know this text and they know it like the back of their hand because they've had multiple opportunities to engage with this particular text, They're gonna be able Mm -hmm. to write about it. Um, And so it's like, I think we do have to kind of like move our mindset, you know, shift our mindset and move into thinking that, you know, maybe it's not about us just getting through the curriculum or getting through the book per se, like we have to read this whole book, but really looking deeply at the parts of the book that are most important and looking at the parts of the book that we really need to read and giving students an opportunity to engage with those excerpts more often. so that you know that that they do have those opportunities to engage, grade level tech, You know, send things home uh-huh. for them to practice. Um, like you said, Zach, especially like with Shakespeare. Um, even breaking it down to you know looking at what we think these words mean, because you know it's a different, in a sense, it's a different language. Like it's English <laughs> to us, but for them, it's a, it's right. a foreign language. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like we have to give them an opportunity to engage and learn with those words, right. being. but I don't know. I still um, kind of think it's to a to... tough, tough language. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, well, it is. It, it definitely <laughs> is. But you know, a lot of kids did get, they don't get, get uh, you know, like it says in the book, kind of looking on 132 at the top, so they, they didn't get the full advantage of learning opportunities mm-hmm. in earlier grades because they couldn't read what other children were able yeah. to. Uh-huh. And it's kind of like I feel like with that, we have we set them up for failure in in later grades because we haven't provided them with opportunities to read grade level text as younger kids? But now that they're older, like, you know, did we do them more harm with thinking that we were supporting them with allowing them to read on the the level that they tested? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and looking at the way
1: that they've described the partner fluency, Like an adult of some sort, a teacher or something, um, Mm -hmm, with two students mm -hmm. at a time, um, which I know, like, the logistics of how that would happen in a school is puzzling to me. But (laughs) what they say is that can happen, they say at least four days a week for 15 minutes Mm
3: -hmm. that
1: you'll see results in you, right? Um, so I mean, Mm. I've never seen that actually like happen, but about even talking about Lori, like. You know, that doesn't we really memorize everything every day, but it's like the practice of this fluency done well does not have to take up on a ton of time, but can have huge, yeah. work, right? It really can make a impact.
3: And another thing that he mentioned was the use of the technology, the phone, something like that. So if students mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable reading with another student, um, then they can record themselves reading on their phone, and then mm-hmm. the, the teacher can watch it directly. and you know maybe that's a good way to get kids actually doing it at home because it's like well all you have to do is record it on your phone
0: right (laughs) i think that's very practical right Right? that's like um absolutely i said that's a good creative use of your voice voice memo right exactly (laughs) (laughs) right yeah and i think too like i don't know what you guys think about this but i think
1: sometimes especially high school teachers probably middle school as well maybe even elementary um are a little nervous to focus on something like this because, like, you know, if we're looking at it memorized, um, then we see it as this like low level skill, that should be a focus in our classroom on high level thinking. Uh, and so, I think I wonder if people might look at this fluency work that way is that it's not rigorous enough when
0: actually it will help our students to be able to get to that higher level thinking yeah I mean it's a it's a piece of the reading puzzle, so um I think that that gets at a you know a bigger question, Melissa, like if the leadership in your school is walking in and your kids are doing, you know, because I think that a lot of the teachers make, are made out of fear right um for better or worse mm-hmm. yeah um, that's true you know, um and so you know, I think that the first thing a teacher thinks is, okay, when making a decision, like if the leadership walks in and sees me doing this or sees my students doing this. What will be the reaction? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it's curriculum based, right, like Wit Wisdom includes fluency, mm-hmm. then it's quote validated. But, um, you know, in places where maybe we don't have an aligned curriculum or our secondary, you know, please, great mind, make a secondary Wit mm-hmm. Wisdom curriculum. Right. We're dying for it. Yes, please. Um, but, you know, where we don't have a secondary <laughs> curriculum and we are um, working to, to put pieces together. Um, we like exactly what you said. You know, your people walked in. There's a check, checklist, or there's a thought, um, and it that is there a higher level question? About what do you Where are we on the Bloom chart? Mm-hmm. Um, not is this fluency going to help the kids be better readers with a little bit of practice over time um, of grade level text? And so I think it's about a deeper understanding for all educators. Yeah. Because I always yep. consider the administrators, and God bless them, who are have been you know science uh, like sixth grade science teachers or like phys Ed teachers, like just really amazing people who just haven't taught reading or or literacy, right. <laughs> you know. And I right. think that they um, they are at a disadvantage being an administrator because then you know it's like a, a switch has flipped and they're meant to be an instructional leader and they. May not have all that knowledge that they need to. Um, So it's it's about educating, you know, that fluency is a piece of the puzzle. And really, this is something that is helpful for students to grow as readers to be able to access the text that we need them to access, want them to access.
2: So, yeah, I think I agree, I agree, Lori, (laughs) 100%. Like, I I believe that all, you know, all stakeholders need to be. present and accounted for when it comes to um improving or, or into this literacy work yeah. like i think you know administrators you know everybody that's involved needs to be really really invested and dedicated to really understanding the work that you know or the task rather that we have in front of us and understanding how we're going to go about tackling this and so that it doesn't become like a punitive thing because like you said a lot of those teachers take Are out of fear, like that's the first thing that pops into their (laughs) head when they're sitting down to to write out a lesson plan. Like, you know, am I being Mm -hmm. compliant with what the administration has set? Um, You know, so it's not necessarily that we're doing what's in the best interest of students. Like, we're making sure that we're checking all the boxes. Yeah, and that has that has to stop. Like, we can't be a box check system. like, we have to make sure that everybody is aware of what needs to be happening and that they understand why it's happening. Um, one thing that um, I thought was really impressive when we did the site visits last year to Ohio, um, to the witness mm-hmm. site visit. Yes, you visited, visited um, Mad River. We
0: actually
2: we went to Mad River. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, time. yeah.
0: So awesome.
2: Uh, but yeah, like, it was just so impressive to me that the principal and the administration actually sat in wisdom pd and that they learned the curriculum and that they had to teach lessons because i think that's what it takes you know everybody has to understand what it is that the teachers doing so that when you go into these classrooms and you're doing these observations you know exactly what's happening because you you've been in the work along with the teachers and it's not that you're looking to, to you know ding the teacher for something but you really understand what's happening so you know like you said we're begging great minds to come <laughs> up with a secondary <laughs> curriculum so that the fluency piece is already kind of like integrated but i think it will take some work to kind of bring teachers around and understanding that hey this is the work that really needs yeah. to be done um it is it is still rigorous because we're we're using these grade yep. level tax but we also have to address these deficits that our kids are bringing to the table we can't just keep leaving them there because it's not going to get better it's only going to yeah gonna get
0: and i think you've said so many important things cammy and this is Really, just so much. one of the reasons why I I love you and I love working with you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that, you know, the, the administrator does to turn that page and shift that mindset from being, you know I'm going to know a little bit about everything and have a deep mm-hmm. understanding of. Uh, I mean, we're talking about literacy instruction, but also most likely mm-hmm. all instruction. Surface <laughs> um, level is going to do it. Any- so if we really want to change things, we've okay. got to go deep. Um, but then also be able to live in the reality of this is what we have and this is what our kids need. And, and right now we're finding that they need fluency work. Um, how can we bring this to to our schools to make it a reality that aligns with what we have going on right now?
2: Yeah. All right. And if we're talking about literacy in every content, everybody kind of have to have some knowledge of what that looks like, what's what that supposed yeah, to Yeah, like. oh, good
3: point. Yeah. I think also that when, one of the things they mention in the book is that the practice of fluency is never divorced from comprehension as well. Um, right. And so even if I was doing something in my class that was working on fluency, I should be very mindful as a teacher to still keep asking comprehension questions, because that's the ultimate goal, mm-hmm. is that we improve fluency mm-hmm. in order to get better comprehension. and. And I would hope that an administrator could understand how those pieces come together um, if the administrators Mm -hmm. were educated on that. And it's a matter of the teachers like holding up their end of the bargain, where it's like, no, I'm not just reading passages, but I'm using that to build comprehension as well.
0: Yeah. That's a great point.
1: (laughs) And I love that you guys keep bringing up, um, it doesn't have to just happen in the English class.
3: (laughs) Right, you
0: know at the high school
3: level <laughs> that's um, a whole other podcast, isn't it? it? totally
0: is <laughs> you're so right because at, in high school, let's like, just pretend there are six teachers, four are English, that's only a quarter of the teachers <laughs> right right I mean, You only see your students for so long well, it, you yep. need to
1: have a students' day focused on actually reading, but I'm looking at the um suggestions for like what to do whole class for fluency. And you know, at some point, like the fifth bullet is to hand out questions, text-dependent questions. And I just like I imagine. I'm like, I imagine in social studies and science, they're probably also answering questions based on a text. Yeah, at some point. They are. (laughs) 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 Let's hope. You know, (laughs) know, figure out how to incorporate other bullets of you know reading aloud, modeling fluent reading, uh, and you know. Reading again after you hand out the question, but there's there's other things in there besides reading out loud, but that's what that's what I skimmed.
2: Right. Really. Yeah. Uh, because even though we're not all trained to be reading teachers, we essentially are all. Yes, right. Teachers.
1: We all know how to read fluently. So. <laughs> <laughs> we can model for our students, and I don't have to train to teach students how to read to be able to do what's
0: in this text. in in. Right. Okay, that's, right. that's a great point, Melissa. These are, I think that the best part of the book—they're so the tips that he gives are so yeah. tangible and they're very user-friendly. Like I felt like if my dad read this book, not in education, he would be able to understand all of the concepts and and be able to execute it, you know, with relative success if he if he needed to. I I feel like very um, user-friendly. So. Good job, Ben, on that one. Who mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. knows? Yeah,
3: there's a little, there's a little bit of skill involved, but I think it's mostly will, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mostly, can we mm-hmm. figure out a way to get mm-hmm. teachers to buy in? Can we find ways to carve out time in our classrooms yeah. because we see this is important? That's that's the battle.
0: Yeah, yeah. I so um, I, I wanted to share a story. What something earlier may not fit, um, but I I don't know. I've ever told you this. Um, I think Melissa knows, but Tammy, I don't know if you know, and Zach, I definitely haven't talked to you that much, so I don't think that you know. But <laughs> I, <laughs> um, so I started my my very first year of teaching, two years of teaching We're in high school. I taught Um And I originally, I had minored in English, so I had taught um, English, and also they gave me a couple sections of reading, which at the high school level, which basically meant that I had every kid in the whole high school who was below grade level in teaching. Um, so I was intervention at the time before mm-hmm. it was like called intervention. Um, and I did a ton of this. I did all this fluency stuff. Um, because I was element I had an elementary. Major. So I majored in elementary but I was teaching nine through twelve and then given this intervention ish class. Um, and and it was really all that I needed to do. So I, I did a lot of fluency stuff. I also did to grade-level text, but I didn't do enough of it in hindsight. Um, and then in that years, I just thought, I have to go back to figure out what happened at the elementary level that mm-hmm. caused kids mm-hmm. to not be able to read me by the time they got ninth grade. Yep. And so then that's when I went back and I taught um, elementary. But it was just really interesting to, um, I always call it parent-knowing, because you know how he starts <laughs> with the end first? <laughs> I started with the end, which I think is very unusual start with the end and then go back. Um, so I started with the end, and then I went back, and it was just to be able to see the foundational skills happen um, at that level and then not, like, where is the breakdown that happened, you know, between then and grade nine? Um, it it's was just so, really interesting.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's so helpful, right? You've been at the end and see where kids can go or where they don't go if they don't get yeah. what they need at the beginning, and that really really helps right. you when you come and teach that younger level because it's like no this is really important i know yeah. exactly what happens if kids don't get a good dose of this
0: absolutely and we could have a whole nother yep. podcast list on foundational skills that's a different one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we definitely will <laughs> um but yeah so i'm curious um Zach, are there any strategies you feel like that we touched on today that you want to work with your teachers or or implement um with teachers in your buildings.
1: And Tammy, you're in a unique situation with yeah. you have
0: grades six through 12. Uh, I yeah. have grades six
1: through <laughs> 12, th- yes. At least one, <laughs> if not more, amazing middle school teacher teaching um, yes. So I'm wondering if you're yes.
2: thinking about tapping into that. <laughs> um, I'm, I actually am. Um, we had a conversation um, she's a little nervous, kind of like thinking that the spotlight <laughs> is kind of on her. But I told her, "Don't worry." I said, "You know, you're obviously doing some wonderful things." So I'm gonna be um, sitting in your classroom just to kind of get um an idea of what it is that you did with your students to see such a, you know, an increase in your um in your park Ooh, scores. Tammy, um, tell one us thing about the that scores. she scores. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, he saw if I'm not. Let <laughs> me get it right, Melissa, you might have to help me. But I believe with her um, students working with her, that there was like a 33 either percent or point uh, increase wow. just over the last year for um for ACE. So um, I told her I'm definitely gonna be coming <laughs> in to look at what it is mm-hmm. that you do um, so that we can maybe replicate this in the other classrooms. But one thing that she said um, was that she you know with Witten wisdom she did what was expected of her she um she taught Witten wisdom um she taught it to fidelity and she said consistency the consistency with um just working with the students um, on those routines and things of that nature is what really, really helped her like she just wanted to make sure that everything in her classroom was consistent and um the students responded. So I'm really excited to kind of get into her classroom to see the work that she's doing. But again, with wit and wisdom, fluency is built in. So it's not something that, you know, we necessarily have to work on, but I am thinking of a way, we didn't pick up sorry here because um, they weren't sure if it was something that they could take on right at the moment, Um, which is unfortunate, but, you know, they have another invention that they, um, already have in place i'm not really familiar with it so i have to see once they start doing the pull out exactly what that entails um but i do want to see if we can incorporate um some fluency practice in the in the, the high school classroom uh, so that we can you know see a difference across the building mm-hmm. and not just in one particular yeah. classroom um and you know using using her as kind of like um, a model to say, "Hey, like this is what happens when you know it's incorporated and when it's used." You know, because a lot of teachers, um, just from conversations, I noticed that teachers were not. I think Melissa, you mentioned this earlier too, that teachers were not doing the fluency. They were mm-hmm. cutting the fluency out um, because they wanted to make sure that they were getting through the curriculum at the pace that um, they were told. But understanding that if you teach it with fidelity, um, at least right now. We can bring in the other stuff later, but teach it to fidelity. Make sure that you're not skipping any parts. Make sure that you're including that practice, that you can see a difference. So I'm definitely going to hopefully not put too much pressure on her, but kind of hold her up as a model of like, what can happen if we really do I think you make a great
0: point. I think the first thing that is
2: cut is fluency. That is the very
0: first thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And yet that's the biggest lever, Uh, you know? (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. And when you ask them why, it, it's all because oh, I, I we didn't have time. You know, like make make the time. Make sure that you put it in there because you you can't you can't skip that. Like they really need that piece. Yes. More students need that piece than you really yeah. understand. Yeah,
1: and like we mentioned it before, you know, high school teachers, especially high school teachers, don't often have that background in how Um uh, so at mm-hmm. yeah, your school, you actually have a nice a nice setup there that you have. At, least, at the very least, you have middle school teachers have which who have that built yeah. in. So they kind of lean on that. But I actually think the fluency routines in Wit and Wisdom are pretty adaptable. You know, they they use passages yeah. from their actual text. So you know, high school yep. teachers could definitely yep. pull out passages from the text um, and kind of adapt the uh, routines of how they're using it for homework like that
2: in their. Yep. And I was actually just thinking that because we had a conversation, you know, with the new grading policy, mm-hmm. um, teachers are trying to really figure out how, because a lot of teachers really said that they don't give homework. <laughs> well, they they don't give homework that regularly. But I think that this would be an excellent way to kind of um, support um, the students in, in providing them with that fluency practice as a home assignment. Um, And like you said, Zach, I wrote that down, like, have them, you know, read it aloud and record it as a voice memo and listen, you know, listen back and then also send it to the teacher so that we can, that serves as a record. Um, I think that's an awesome idea that I'm going to definitely bring up to my teacher.
3: If I know Tammy, she'll be in that teacher's classroom with a video camera before she knows it (laughs) and using that as a model for the high school teachers. (laughs)
2: I probably <laughs> will. That, I mean, I, I we did have that conversation about video observations. You know, I love doing mm-hmm, the video I observations. <laughs> I mean, elevate that practice. So I probably <laughs> will.
3: Yeah, I mean, there if you you're know. telling high school teachers, look, this is what they're doing in middle school, right? Surely you guys can mm-hmm. build on that. Then it makes the message much more powerful.
2: Yeah. Right, and a lot of the kids that we have in high school, you know, they weren't able to experience uh, with, with the, the, the ninth graders that return um, are actually at an advantage because they did have at least one year of written wisdom. So they're a little bit familiar with it. Um, but the older kids who had had an opportunity to experience it, I think it would be a great, um, a great opportunity for them to practice with the fluency, at least, you know, if we don't incorporate it in the classroom, um, then we could at least put it, you know, take it, have them take it home right. to yeah. practice.
0: All right, so Melissa have answered all of the questions or talked about all of the quotes. I want to make sure we got through all of them.
1: <laughs> I mean, we could keep talking forever.
0: <laughs> David Levin did, did a Q&A
1: <laughs> webinar, and he said, like, this is the most talked about chapter out of the whole book. So we can keep uh-huh. talking about it. But <laughs> we, I, we've answered everything that we wanted to talk about, I guess.
0: I love that. Um, well, so I, w- I want to hear, if you guys don't mind hearing before we go. What are your best piece of advice, like you could I mean this is the beginning of the school year. Get some advice from the teachers mm-hmm. as coaches who've been there who've done that, who've read chapter seven well, what is, what's your best advice? <laughs>
3: um, I think my best piece mm-hmm. of advice would be to practice with the kids reading something aloud. you know, let's find some kind mm-hmm. of passage very short within the text that you're reading that you think is particularly powerful. And instead of just reading it once, like have the kids practice and read it out loud and, and maybe build up confidence of some of those kids who have been at the lower end um, so that they can read it out loud to the rest of their peers. Like imagine if you on a Monday told a student, hey, I want you to read this out loud to the whole class on Friday. And I'm gonna sit with you and practice it mm-hmm, a few times mm-hmm. so that you feel confident. Mm-hmm. What that would do for that student when Friday came around and they were able to show their students like, hey, I got this, I can do this. Like I think just like taking that viewpoint of let's read some passages aloud, let me model for the students, but not do all the work for the students, let them practice as well, that would be one thing I would encourage mm-hmm. people to practice. That's great. Tammy,
0: what let, are you let, thinking? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Melissa. Well, well listen. <laughs> well, listen. I don't let let Tammy go first. Go ahead, Tammy. <laughs> no, go oh, ahead, I was Melissa, just going to say, when thinking,
1: Zach was saying like, that, you know, I've <laughs> been thinking about it like with just one first. You know, like this could, if it's a whole new thing for teachers, mm-hmm. just maybe just thinking about, like, can I help one student become more fluent reader? Might be one way to start Just one. Just one. <laughs> just to start. You have just one. one. I like that. <laughs> this is what right. you're brilliant. Awesome. Um, <laughs> only occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: I'm thinking. I'm thinking that, I mean, not not to create um, rebels, (laughs) but I'm thinking that my advice would be to not be afraid to take the chance. Like, step out of that discomfort or that fear of what's going to happen if someone comes into my classroom and sees this, but be confident enough in the work that you're doing with your students that if someone does question why you're doing this type of work in your classroom, that you can say, this is why I'm doing it, because the students need it. Um, also, like what Zach said, that that repeated practice is key. It's necessary. I can recall last year, one of the teachers asking, why do the students have to keep reading the same poem over and over and over again? And I zero, like they're tired of it. I'm tired of it. And my response to her was, well, what did they learn from it? Like, do they know the poem? Are they able to give you that, the um, the answers to the questions that you're asking them? And, of course, they were. And I said, well, that's why they're reading it over and over again, because the more exposure they have to that particular text, the easier it's going to be for them to produce a piece of writing that is solid, that is precise, nice, but also demonstrates the knowledge that they picked up. Um, but so, like, take. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged to take the chance to actually do what's in the best interest of students. That's not easy to be like. Yeah, and see what the difference. And I think is. I would add, like, we don't have a curriculum in
3: high school that has built-in interventions. Yeah. Um, that's, right. That's the piece that's not there at all. And so, as long as you are able to still reach the standards that are being set by the curriculum, it's kind of up to the teacher build in whatever interventions might work and and i think you know take the chance go rogue do something different in respect to the high school Mm -hmm. curriculum try out some of those things and see if they work while still trying to meet the standards that are established by the curriculum
2: yes
0: (laughs) yes no you said it really well i just feel like i can't ever be explicit enough by like i'm always going back to like clarifying in my head too like just you know, everybody stick to the program here. <laughs>
1: right.
0: <laughs> um, and, and focusing on that that lane <laughs> that we're in. I think that's great advice.
1: We'll have to have you guys back on in like January or February and Ooh, see, yeah. see what's
0: happening. And your... Okay. Sounds
3: good. Fluency. Yeah. <laughs>
0: sure. <laughs> sure. I love that. Well, you guys are wonderful. Thank you so yeah, much. And for um, everybody who for listened, please, please, please give us a five-star review write a review all of our listeners we appreciate it so much um if you don't want to give us a five-star review then please contact us um, <laughs> we would love your feedback <laughs> but the five stars really matter so if you love listening to this podcast or your are point wisdom and just starting out um you know this is an amazing resource uh, at whatever level so um or district leader or leader. So we're really happy that you're here and we thank you for listening. And thank you, Tammy and Zach for, for taking like an hour of your day to talk to us. We appreciate it. Yes. And thank, well, thank you for you. giving to, to this mm-hmm. book. Thanks
1: for having me. <laughs> yes. Yes, great, a, read. great read. And thank you for talking secondary literacy great. with me.
3: <laughs> Anytime.
0: <laughs> Bye. Thank, thank you guys. Bye-bye. Bye.